Morning Church. Today we'll be following through on the theme of fruitful living and I'll be speaking on the fruit, spiritual fruit of gentleness. So for those of you taking titles, the working title is Gentleness. And the reading comes from Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 to 23. And um, just as I was sitting down, I realized there was something I used to say a lot when I preached in other churches. I would I get on the stage or the pulpit and I would say, don't worry, church, I'm not going to keep you long. And I thought to myself, what, what attitude am I promoting when I say that? You know, if there was any other thing, you know, when you pay to go to watch a film in the cinema, if the actors got on the stage first and said, you know, don't worry, this film's only five minutes, you'd be like, that's not worth my money. If you got to any other exciting occasion and the, the, the attitude was, don't worry, I'm not going to keep you long, there'll be a kind of disappointment. And I thought, I can't promote that attitude then in church when the Bible's being opened. There has to be an expectancy that God will do something in your lives and an exciting vibe. And with that said, I'm not going to keep you long. Um, <laughs> but the reading comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. So if you're there, or if we can get it on the... Or not. We're working with the screens today. No, we're not. So I'll read it. But the fruit, rather, let me pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege we get to read your word together as a congregation and to grow in you as a community of people, Lord. And my prayer is simple, Lord. Teach us how to keep in step with the Spirit. In Jesus' name. All right, then. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And we'll be focused on the spiritual fruit of gentleness, which is the Spirit enabling us to be gentle. And I put it in inverted commas because as I was preparing this, I thought to myself, how does the Spirit, the Spirit of God, produce in us gentleness? What does that mean? What does it actually look like? Gentle, it's a, it's a phrase we hear all the time, really. If you can imagine a lady getting back from a dinner date, she calls her best friend Margaret, and she's like, oh, Margaret, he was such a gentleman. Or if you go to a, a boxing match, and the answer says, ladies and gentlemen, it's kind of like this word that we kind of throw around willy-nilly, and it's like, what are we actually insinuating when we use the term gentle? So naturally, to find out, I picked up a dictionary to see what the experts of the English language have to say about gentleness, the term gentle. And according to the dictionary, someone who is gentle is kind, mild, and calm. It could also be seen as softness of action or effect. Someone who treads lightly, for example. The term gentle seems like it's often associated with words that suggest this kind of introverted nature, almost this kind of like passive nature too. For example, you'll say, my friend Bob, he's so gentle and quiet. Or Steve, he's so gentle and mellow. And I think the dictionary gives a good definition of gentleness. But is that what the Spirit of God is working in us to do? For us to be mild, for us to tread lightly. What picture does this paint in your head when you think of that definition of gentle? For me, it's this kind of like caricature of a, you know, 
and it almost presents this timid kind of picture. And if we're not careful, subconsciously it can be associated or be synonymous with like a shyness and like a, a passiveness, timid. So now empty-handed and not quite satisfied with a definition I'm happy with for gentleness, I question who in the Bible exemplified what it would be to operate with the spiritual fruit of gentleness. So I started looking at the life of Jesus, thinking I'd see a few examples of him being nice to people, or him showing grace, that would inform my study of a definition of gentleness. And as I was studying the life of Jesus, something dawned on me. The search I was doing for instances of nice acts, instances of grace, the study I was doing on the life of Jesus was flawed. Gentleness is a spiritual fruit. It's less about what you do. It's less about your doing and more about your being, your nature as a person. It's not entirely about your actions, but more about your nature, the very makeup of who you are. And what's the qualification for this statement? Where fruits are about your actions, then there's several times in the Gospels where we can accuse Jesus of lacking the spiritual fruit of gentleness. Like John chapter 2, verse 13 and 16, for example. It says, when, Jesus was almost at the Jew when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and other, sit and other sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove them all out the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money tables and overturned the tables. To those he, who sold doves, he said, get out of here and stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Jesus sees an abuse of the temple that upsets him so much, he makes a whip and drives people out. I don't know how many of you were disciplined as a child, but when my mum would come to me with a weapon, I wouldn't describe it as gentle. There was a very aggressive, very assertive nature about it. And yet we have Jesus here, wielding a whip. To fully understand the idea I'm putting across here, we need to really challenge whatever romantic idea we may have of Jesus in our minds. You know, the Jesus you see on Peyton's, where he's kind of like, hand on heart and hand like this, this white man, with glowing skin, chiseled cheekbones, and flowing hair. Almost androgynous looking. Looks like he wouldn't leave a footprint in green grass if he tried. This idea of gentleness doesn't quite marry well with Jesus wielding a whip. So what do we do with that? I'll give you one more example of an accusation you can make about Jesus and the spiritual fruit of gentleness if it's about actions. This comes from Mark chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence a secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. He begged, she, she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. And Jesus' response was, first, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take what the children's bread, the bread, and feed it to the dogs. Just to flesh out this scripture, this story here, a woman has an oppressed daughter, 
daughter, a woman whose demon, um, daughter is demon-possessed, feeling hopeless, feeling like I really need to find someone who can save my daughter. Here's Jesus is in the neighborhood. Finds Jesus, falls at his feet. Jesus, please save my daughter. And he looks at her and basically says, not right now. Furthermore, he calls her a dog. I don't know about you, but the first time I read this, I thought, has someone swapped my Bible for some parody Bible where this is not the real Jesus? He called her a dog. In the Bible, if someone calls you a dog, it's not cute. It's usually associated with a prostitute or a very, very wicked man. I imagine now you're thinking, what's the point of me giving these examples of Jesus not seemingly being gentle? Well, firstly, it's important to mention that there's a bigger messianic and loving picture and purpose behind the actions of Jesus in both those circumstances. And second, it's to show that for the sake of Jesus, the spiritual fruit of gentleness is not about actions. It's not something you do, but it's rather your being. It's deeper than your actions. It's your nature. Imagine a doctor in an operation room doing open-heart surgery where one wrong move can be fatal to the patient's life. He's not going to be reckless. He's going to operate with very gentle hands. Whether that doctor is a Christian or a non-believer, that doctor is going to operate with gentle hands, regardless of their religious affiliations. My point is the doctor doesn't need, any doctor doesn't need the spiritual fruit of gentleness to operate with gentle hands. Because that's the doing. But when it comes to the spiritual fruit of gentleness, that's in your being. It's about your nature and not your doing with your hands. So going back to Jesus, was his actions gentle all the time? No. The same way if you saw a baby choking, that's not the time to play peekaboo. You get the baby, you pull it on his belly, and you smash its back until you save its life. But did Jesus have the spiritual fruit of gentleness at all times? Yes. The concept of a spiritual fruit. Fruits aren't things that switch on and off based on your situation. Fruits is, the fruit is in the DNA of the tree. It's something that's involved in all aspects of your life. I didn't do this gentle thing as a result of having the Spirit of God. I am gentle as a result of having the Spirit of God. This doesn't mean that you become one-dimensional and you're a robot with only one setting and you, know, you can never dream of playing rugby because all you can be is gentle. But it makes you, your, your Holy Spirit in you, at work in your life, is your relationship with God. So you can feel anger but you can have the spiritual fruit of self-control. So you're not having fits of rages, leaving holes in the wall. You can feel sad, feel sad, mourning, but you can have peace, the spiritual fruit of peace, where you don't feel empty and void and hopelessness. And you can be direct and you can be assertive, but you can have the spiritual fruit of gentleness, just like Jesus did. In other words, you can feel things, these very real human things. You can feel them. But in every situation, you have God. That's the distinction of when the spiritual fruits are at work in your life. It's not necessarily an action entirely about your doing, but rather your being. 
So here's the interesting thing. A fruit of the Spirit isn't something you can have in isolation. See, an apple is a fruit of an apple tree. But gentleness isn't the fruit of a gentle fruit tree. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. So if we lend ourselves to this metaphor, then the Spirit is being likened to a tree within us that's bringing forth fruit. If you think about it, you can't really have gentleness without self-control. You can't really show self-control without patience. You can't really show patience without kindness. And if you track through the fruits of the Spirit, they all work in conjunction with each other. So we end up being these kind of like walking fruit salads rather than just showing one spiritual fruit at one time. We show the Spirit through the fruits. We don't show one fruit in isolation because they all work together just how they did in the life of Jesus. You know, there's this popular thought in the Old Testament that, that God was this angry, impatient being who just couldn't wait for people to get it wrong so he can smite them with thunderbolts and just kill them. The famous atheist Richard Dawkins, in his book, The God Delusion, calls God the, most, the God of the Old Testament the most unpleasant character in all history. But this same Richard Dawkins likes Jesus. He says Jesus was a great man. And seemingly, there seems to be this juxtaposition between God of the Old Testament and Jesus in the New, where God was this unpleasant, angry man, and Jesus is kind of like his apology to the world. You know, Jesus goes traveling around Jerusalem like, did my father say that? Not again. I'm sorry. And he's going around making amends for all the things, you know, God did, as if they wouldn't get along. But God in the Old Testament was operating with the same fruits of the Spirit we see Jesus operating with in the New. Looking at the life, the, the character of God through the Old Testament, you can see these fruits at work. The first example that comes to mind is the book of Hosea, where God likens his relationship, his love for people to a man married to a prostitute. If you can imagine this actual dynamic, a man serving in commitment, married to woman, giving herself away to other men for money and then being selfish with the money, living a life where she's as if she's not committed to anyone at all, but this man continues to chase her, pursue her, make her feel desired, make her feel loved and cared for with a gentle nature for her. Not being woman, but rather just pursuing her in this graceful, kind of gentle, exploring, uh, uh, exhibiting all the fruits of the Spirit. And this is what God says, this is what my love for the Israelites is like. This is how I am towards my people. It does away with this impatient, angry, you know, very aggressive image of God that doesn't show gentleness and the things we see in Jesus. God's wrath, God's action for righteousness doesn't contradict his gentle nature because his gentle nature isn't entirely action. It's in his being, in his loving being, you see the character of God at work. And now in the and God, we have God in the Old Testament personified as Jesus. He sent prophets to save his people. He sent 
judges to save his people. He gave them kings. And ultimately, Israel continually failed to, to serve Jesus, to serve God properly. And in his ultimate act of love, he sends himself incarnate in man as Jesus. And that's how Jesus can say, whoever has seen me has seen my Father in heaven. The same spiritual fruits we see in Jesus is the exact same spiritual fruits exhibited throughout the whole Old Testament. So what do we make of the fruit of gentleness then? Is it being mild? Is it being calm and treading lightly? I think not. I think a revised definition of the fruit of gentleness is passion under control. It's proactive, it's dynamic in all these things, but it's under control. I think the best example of someone with great passion, but passion out of control, is Moses. Moses was so passionate, it drove him to murder. He was so passionate about the liberation of Israelites that when he saw an Israelite man being mistreated by an Egyptian, he killed him. Moses was so passionate for the people to love the true God, the one true God, that when he got the Ten Commandments after speaking personally with God, he comes down from the mountain and he sees Israelites worshipping idols and he smashes the very Ten Commandments, the tablets that God had just given him. His passion was out of control. Ultimately, God would tell him to do one thing and his passion could sometimes get in the way. He was not exhibiting the spiritual fruit of gentleness, Moses. But then we have Jesus, a gentleman whose passion was under control and demonstrated in every interaction he had. Like when Jesus was face to face with the woman who was caught in adultery. Pharisees had brought this woman who was in the act of adult adultery and said to Jesus, sentence her because the law provided that a woman who was adulterous should be put to death. And Jesus, looking around, says, okay, sure, but those who don't have sin, throw the first stone and kill her. No one threw the first stone. And Jesus, being the only one righteous enough to cast the stone, I can imagine looking at the woman in her eyes as she feels like this is the end, saying none of them are righteous enough to condemn you, and nor do I condemn you. But he wasn't passive. He wasn't treading lightly, and he wasn't mild. He looked at her with the same love and gentleness and said, okay, now go and leave your life of sin behind. He was challenging as well as loving. He was direct, but also exhibiting a gentle nature. And in his love, liberated her of the, the, the consequences of her sin, but also challenged her to not sin furthermore, leave your sin behind. He had passion, passion under control, and he was gentle. This is the life of what it looks for someone who has the Holy Spirit working the spiritual fruits in them. It's not necessarily about having a checklist of what you do, gentle instances where you are gentle and then you're not and then you are in these select 
actions, but more of your being, the nature, the, the DNA of who you are once the Holy Spirit starts working that work of salvation in your life. So if we flip the equation, what does it look like when someone doesn't have the, oper- the, the spiritual fruits at operation in their life? It's anger without self-control, the spiritual fruit of self-control. It's sadness without the spiritual fruit of peace. Where you, when something happens, when life happens, when these very real feelings that we're all allowed to feel and we will feel come, there's no spiritual fruit to ground you with your relationship with God. So yes, when you're angry, you will go off the rails. When you're sad, there will be a void and there will be this kind of the world is on my shoulders that you can't shake. And you will not be gentle like Moses. You won't have your passions under control. And if you can look at yourself retrospectively and acknowledge that somebody's feelings are lacking spiritual fruit, namely gentleness, if you feel like your passions sometimes lead to destruction because you don't have a gentle touch, That's a signpost alerting you that the spiritual fruit of gentleness is absent. I urge you by the grace of God in this moment, if you can recognize that these fruits are not active when you feel your real real feelings, not to be condemned, not to feel like, woe is me, I'm such a terrible believer not to sit and wallow in sin, but to use this opportunity as the gospel is preached to you, as the Spirit is doing that work of salvation in your hearts, to have joy, to recognize that this is an appeal by the Holy Spirit saying, look, see, you see, he's awakening you. It's not condemning, but the Holy Spirit does convict. The same way Jesus looked at the woman and said, you're not condemned, but go and sin no more. The Holy Spirit is calling on your heart, saying, don't be condemned by the realization of sin in your life. But repent. Repentance is a gift. It's a grace. Repentance is an absolute grace. It's something we don't deserve. There are many in the world today that are doing things and they have no awareness of God conscience. There's no godly sorrow. There's no, this is bad. I really need to return to God. But the Holy Spirit is at work. If the Holy Spirit is at work in your heart, calling on you to repent, see it as his love being sent forth to you and not something to feel shame, guilty per se, and condemned about but something to rejoice in. The same way Jesus spoke to people, that's how God, through the Holy Spirit, is interacting with us today. And if that's you, if you are recognizing right now that my feelings are lacking the fruits of the Spirit, I urge you to not with shame, but with joy stand so that we can pray with you.
Lord, we thank you. If you're around these people, I pray just, I'm asking to just stand with them and join them in prayer. Um, surround them in love right now. Lord, I thank you for the work you're doing with your Holy Spirit in the lives of these people and across the church, causing an awakening, a quickening in the Spirit that leads us back to you, Lord Jesus. This is not condemnation. This is not guilt. This is not being timid. This is not feeling less than, but this is a call by your Spirit that we ought to rejoice in and celebrate our, with our family with. So I thank you that you're working in this church and that it's seen before our eyes as a testimony that you still move today. And I thank you for what you're doing in these people's lives. And I pray, Lord God, that as this Sunday service comes to a close, this work doesn't just become a church Sunday thing, but it's something that's carried out through the week. That the work of your spirit will be at work in their sleep, in their waking up, in the morning on Monday to the evening on Friday, that there will be an awakening that constantly calls them back to you, calls all of us back to you, Lord Jesus. And I pray that in time, we will see spiritual fruits. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Thank you, church.